0: Hello friends, welcome and thank you for tuning in to what is episode 11, lucky number 11 of the Yours Truly podcast. Um, so this is a podcasting platform where we go beyond macros and we ditch diets of any form to talk about nutrition in a more gentle sense. So I call this nutrition um, that truly nourishes your mind, your body, and your spirit and allows you to live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself. So last week I did another solo episode, but for lucky number episode 11 here, Um, I am bringing on yet another friend that I have made through Instagram Um, so again the power of social media I've never actually met this friend although I will at the end of October which is exciting but This guy is another fellow registered dietitian. Um, He is a Canadian. I can't say fellow there because I live in the United States, but um, he hands down is one of the dietitians who probably puts out um, not only some of the most useful content, but also some of the funniest content. Um, Some of you may know him as Andy. Some of you may know him as Andy the RD or you may even know him as King of Kale because if there's one thing he talks about a lot um, it is kale and how he thinks it is superior to spinach. Maybe we'll have a little argument about that on the podcast but um, I'm going to allow him to introduce himself so Andy hello and welcome.
1: Hi how's it going Claire thanks for having me.
0: Yes thank you for coming on.
1: Well, you got it all. Yeah, your intro was, uh, was really good. Obviously, you've been practicing your, uh, your podcast skills. So I was pretty impressed. That was pretty, uh, pretty apt. Um, yeah. So I do, uh, private practice in Toronto and uh, I'll tell you a quick funny story to start. Uh, I was walking down a, uh, one of the larger streets in Toronto, uh, a few days ago and one female yelled out, like not yelled, but like, Shut it out or whatever. Said out oh, Andy the RD, and I looked around. I'm like, oh, okay, who are you? And apparently, she was an intern. Um, yeah, at a local hospital. So I thought that was really fun. So there's a fun story for you.
0: Yeah, that is very fun. And I guess. <laughs> If anyone isn't familiar with Andy or his content, he is one of the dietitians in the Instagram space who um, has a fairly large presence and a large following. So yeah, I guess do you get that a lot? Because I don't know like what the threshold is as a number on social media. Like when you grow a following um, to a certain number, people start like recognizing you out on the streets. Is that something that you get a fair amount, or is that kind of the first time that it ever happened?
1: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I get it a lot. I mean, it's it's happened like a handful of times in the past several years. So yeah, you have to be really, 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 really big to be getting people regularly pulling you off the street. But uh, it's kind of fun when it happens once in a blue moon.
0: Yeah, maybe one day, right? It's kind of what is that sarcastic nutritionist shirt that's like, uh, the male dietitian is like the new unicorn. So like, I don't know, when people see you on the streets, they not only see Andy the RD, but they also see like a a unicorn, like a rare male dietitian, It's pretty great. Um,
1: Yeah,
0: exactly. But yeah, yeah, one of my first questions for you, kind of like I told you before we started recording, I never come on with scripted questions, but it's kind of more of a platform to um, share people's stories and share their messages and One story, I've been interacting with you for, um, I guess it's been uh, almost a year now on social media, but it kind of dawned on me before we hopped on the podcast that I actually don't know your story when it comes to how you got into nutrition or what led you to being a dietitian. So I guess share a little bit about what drew you to this field.
1: Um, Yeah, well, that's a good question. I think my story is pretty... This guy is pretty standard, you know, like when I was a, a teenager, I wasn't uh, very healthy. I didn't really uh, think too much about nutrition and stuff like that. And as I got more into healthy eating, well, a few things happened. Well, first of all, I realized that it was so friggin' difficult for me to figure out what it actually meant to eat healthy. So it took me years and years before I arrived at what I was comfortable with um, in terms of eating in a way that, you know, made me really feel good and feel confident that I was, you know, Getting enough nutrients and I was enjoying what I was eating. It took me a long time to do that, which kind of sucked because I got wasted a lot of time. And the second thing is I realized that after I started, uh, caring more about what I ate, I felt a lot better, just generally speaking. And so when I put those two things together, it seemed logical that I should, uh, you know, pursue a career in the field. And that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, I like that you brought up the idea of, um, you know, it took you a long time to figure out what eating healthy meant, um, and you kind of, it kind of stuck because you wasted a lot of time trying to get there, and I think that's where a lot of people struggle, and that's obviously where we come in as registered dietitians. Hopefully, um, my coach always phrases it, it's like cutting the line, right? So you hire someone or you work with someone who um, knows how to get there and who's been there before, and then you won't kind of spend all that time, quote-unquote, um, wasting, figuring out what it what what it means to eat healthier, to be healthy. But that kind of leads into my next question. Um, I, something I also don't know about you. So kind of what is your angle of nutrition? Um, you said it took you a long time to figure out what it meant to eat healthy. Um, so I guess when you know, you're either defining that for yourself or you're working with some of your clients, um, your private practice clients, um, what is your angle to nutrition or what would you define healthy eating or healthy living to be?
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's a reasonable question. Well, I mean, look, people come to see me quite often because, you know, their, you know, their diet, the way they're eating right now is in a certain place. And they perceive that there's room for it to be, to be better. Um, And better usually means more complete from a nutrient perspective, more balanced, like the right, you know, eating the right types of foods, things like that. So really, I mean, healthier for me really means you know incremental changes from where they're at to closer to where they want to be and presumably where they want to be is they want to be you know in the same place that I found myself after all those years is eating a eating in a way that I'm confident is fulfilling my nutritional needs and that, that I enjoy and that allows me to uh you know feel good and feel healthy and what that means you know it depends on a person's starting point and in a person's lifestyle but that's usually how I would look at it
0: yeah yeah, I think kind of having the flexibility to eat what they enjoy, but also having that peace of mind. that's like, Hey, like I know what I'm eating is satisfying my nutrient needs. And I know I'm getting everything that I need, but I'm also, um, enjoying it in the process. Something that I like to ask like registered dietitians or anyone on this platform is, cause I know a lot of the times people come to a podcast platform and they obviously like want to learn something or they want to have, um, a takeaway. So, um, I was just kind of putting on the spot but you're clever you'll come up with it like if someone were to just like walk up to you on the street so like that girl who yelled like oh my god it's andy the rd like if she would have walked up to you and said like hey um i'm really struggling with my nutrition or knowing what's healthy for me like can you give me three tips to kind of walk away from um kind of what would you say to her what would be your three um starting points if someone is looking to eat healthier live healthier in a way that fits their lifestyle what would those be
1: um all right well i yeah I can answer this question in a number of ways, but I'll just draw from my actual client experience mm-hmm. so one issue I find a lot of people have um is that they don't they don't really uh i guess get their hunger under control for lack of a better term so so let's say the average working person right, which is the type of person I see. They'll have lunch, and then the afternoon is like, okay, well, I don't need to think about that. I'll just do whatever until dinner. And what ends up happening is that they're they're starving, you know, and that leads them to either, you know, come home and kind of, you know, eat in a way that doesn't make them happy because they're too hungry to really like take a second to cook or do the or prepare food the way they want, or to kind of eat whatever's around them. And although on on paper there's nothing wrong with that, they're obviously no longer happy falling into that kind of um, trap, so to speak. So this is a protracted answer. But basically having an afternoon snack is, like, actually an incredibly uh, important solution for a lot of people. So taking time just to think about it, Mm -hmm. to think about what someone might have. And that's for the average working person. Um, You know, okay, second tip. Obviously, I mean, like, let's just to keep it very practical. Like, eat at least – one or two different types of vegetables a day and one or two different types of fruit a day. Like if, even if you, you know, if you do nothing else besides that, I think that's like reasonable. And the third point, which is something you'll know I'm passionate about is shifting the uh, ratio of plant to animal protein in your diet, which means that when you have an opportunity to have protein from a plant source instead, do it. I mean, look, like I, I'm not a vegan or vegetarian, you know, I eat plenty of, of all different types of animal products, but you know, if you have a chance to have soy milk instead of cow's milk, if you have a chance to have like tofu scramble instead of egg scramble at a restaurant, just do it. It's, it's good practice. And, um, and personally, I think it feels cool to say you could actually go a couple of meals or a couple of days of the week without having something that came from an animal. Uh maybe that's just me, but, uh, yeah, those will be my three. I'm not sure how, how brief the answers you were looking for, but there, there's three for you.
0: No. Yeah. Anything you have to offer. The thing that I like that you offer about those is, um, they're really pointed. So, um, something that I look for when I talk to my clients or just anyone generally about nutrition is like, um, I, as much as I can try to make things not black and white, like saying like, you must do this or like, you have to do that. But, um, people are looking for really pointed solutions. So I think, um, I like that you kept those really like, you know, um, you know, figure out your hunger, like actually add in that snack or eat more fruits and veggies, things that people can actually visualize themselves doing. I think those are really important takeaways and, um, they actually mirror a lot of what, what I would talk about too. Um, I obviously in more and more of a gentle approach to nutrition, I talk about honoring your hunger. So it's kind of like this right. hinted on, like when you are hungry, um, eat something. And when you are full, stop eating. But a big part of um, the former part of that statement was, you know, you have to be prepared um, or you have to kind of think about what you're going to eating so or what you're going to eat in that moment of hunger. So what I talk a lot about is not like um, a meal plan, but rather it's planning for a meal. So knowing being like, hey, like usually around 12 o'clock noon, um, my stomach starts to growl or I start to get a little hangry. So what are you going to have on hand that you enjoy? What's the food that you like? So that in that, that moment, you can reach for that and you can honor your hunger. So I love that one. Um, and the sure. fruits and vegetables one, is really important because all of us know like this is where the shoulds come into nutrition that I don't really like but you know we should eat fruits and vegetables because we know that they are good for us and um this actually reminds me of a story um happened to me this past weekend I was at a booth um at the farmer's market and someone came up to me and they're like oh that guy over there tells me you're a dietitian." I was like wow word travels fast around here I'm sure you know that but um he was like I know everything that I'm eating on paper is quote-unquote healthy and he kind of like ran me through what he was eating on a daily basis and yeah like they were quote-unquote healthy foods he was having like oats and eggs and like sweet potato and chicken and broccoli um, but then he followed up with you know but I eat the same exact things every day he was like you know I know the foods that I'm eating are healthy um, but do you have any tips on how I can add variety um, because he knew as well as you and I both know that eating healthy on paper is great but if you're eating the same exact foods every day you could be missing out on a lot of the the variety or the host of nutrients that all of the other um, foods have to offer is that something that you kind of run into in your practice like people um, maybe eating healthy foods but not switching it up enough or not eating like two different types like you said of fruits and vegetables every day
1: Right, okay, um what I will say to that is just for the sake of not uh, for the sake of just not like you know obviously variety is good, okay, so we know that like so for the sake of not supporting that because we already know that 's true, what I will actually more likely to be to, to tell someone is most people that I encounter, if I make an objective assessment um, of what they 're doing it 's not that they 're eating like really great foods, they 're just eating the same ones right that 's not usually. Um, the kind of like shortcoming that they're experiencing, it's more likely that they're not really eating it at all. So in fact, what I tell someone more often, then they need that variety, which obviously I include that message because it's 100% true, is I say, listen, if you have only one fruit and one vegetable you like, like you're going to be in a much better position if you eat that every day than you don't. Right. And And objectively speaking, that's much more likely the message that I will, the conversation I will have with someone just because that's where they're at. Um, and that's my experience over, you know, a pretty large sample of clients. So obviously, look, at a follow-up though, two, three follow-ups down the road, are we then going to evolve that and like really push for something new? Absolutely. But to start, i am most likely say, Listen, like I don't care if all you like is bananas and that's what you eat every day, because right now you're not having any fruit. So I'll take that and we'll build from there. So I'll offer you a bit of a different perspective on that.
0: Yeah, I like that. It kind of speaks to the importance of meeting someone where they're at. Um, because a lot of the times uh, I'll have someone say like, oh, like I know canned fruits and vegetables aren't good for me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, pause. Um, if that's all you have available to you, or if those are the only things you can get your hands on or that you enjoy, like kind of like what you said, I would much rather you eat that or eat what you have access to than eat no fruits and vegetables at all. But um, that's a really important thing to distinguish. And I'm glad that you brought that up. It's figuring out like Um, is that, you know, is that what you're doing or like, are you only eating those fruits and vegetables or is that all you have access to, or is that all that you like? Um, and then kind of starting from that place and then moving forward from there for sure. I love that. And then, The third thing that you said, um, which I definitely want to dive into this a little bit more, um, shifting the ratio of plant-based foods and animal-based foods. Um, and I love Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're a dietitian and you do a great job of presenting what I think we should all present, um, kind of a, um, rooted in science, but a non-biased, um, opinion or um, value for our clients and for the people who follow us. But I love that, you know, you come from this perspective of, hey, um, it can be beneficial to include more plant foods in your diet when possible, but you yourself um, aren't vegetarian or you aren't vegan. Because I think a lot of the times this message comes from practitioners or people who are really firmly rooted in this for themselves. And speaking personally, um, I was vegan for like two and a half years now. I'm vegetarian. Um, I occasionally eat fish, um, but I think it's cool coming from the perspective of someone like you. You're like, hey, I eat all foods. Like, I eat animal products, but um, you can't deny that plant foods and plant products are good for you. So, um, I'd be interested in getting your take on, you know, how you present that more to your clients, and maybe how you. Um, I'm not going to use the word convince because uh, I don't think we should convince anyone of what they should or should not be eating. But maybe how you um, portray or tell the story of plant-based foods in a way that, um, maybe turns someone onto them who is really rooted in a heavily, um, animal-based product diet.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's a reasonable, um, well, first of all, I mean, how you convince someone really is, oh, sorry. again, sorry, not convince. That's the exact word you didn't want to use. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. How you, you know, Urge, we'll say, or, you know, educate them. I mean, that depends why they're, why they're there to see you. You know, if I have a a middle-aged guy who's taking cholesterol medication and, you know, lentils and legumes are high in soluble fiber and that's a great way to lower cholesterol and, you know, that's an easy kind of selling point. so that's one example. Uh, the other examples: most people who come to see me, uh, especially if they're in the middle age, it's like they are actually they see some of their friends and family members starting to like be unwell, perhaps hospital visits, medication, and their their attitude is, I don't want that to happen to me. So um, you know, then it's 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 a matter of okay, look, listen, people who generally eat more legumes, more lentils, more nuts and seeds, those people tend to live longer. So these are those are smart decisions you want to make. And what I'll often tell people is that it's not just like when you eat these plant-based products, you have two benefits. First of all, they have things that animal products don't have, right? So they both, both things have protein, but soluble fiber, magnesium, other nutrients. Um, obviously soy has very specific compounds in it. Um, they have things that animals don't have and they don't really have much of the stuff that animals have that we don't really need, which is usually what what I'm talking about is saturated fat. Um, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like, it's a win-win to make that swap. And that's kind of the angle that I say. And I also just like, and like I said, because I'm I'm not a vegan or vegetarian, I think my message resonates more because they know it's not coming from an agenda-driven uh, thing. It's like, I'm just genuinely telling them, this is what is, you know, in the best interest of your health.
0: Right. Period. Yeah. I uh, think, yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, that's fine. And I'm also like, I'm very pragmatic and objective when, and you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm nice and I'm understanding, but I'm also very pragmatic and objective when I work with people. So it's like, if you want to know what behaviors to take to get better health outcomes, you're going to want to have or try your best to have more plant-based protein. I don't stop there. I'll provide recipes, whether from my website, or I'll procure recipes from outside that that fit with their likes. But um, that's really the message I come back to. I, I don't really, it's it, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Look at you being accommodating, getting recipes. You're like Andy, the RD of the year. I love it. But, um, I think that's a a great way to go about it. And I love the word that you use pragmatic is because, yeah, like you said, when, um, anyone feels like they're being influenced, especially when it comes to food and food behaviors, because when you really like strip everything away from them, like the things that we believe about food, we hold really, really near and dear. Um, and anytime, that someone feels like, you know, those ideals or values are being attacked or, um, that they're being shot at from an angle of something who <coughs> has like a secondary agenda. Maybe they're just like, you know, really firmly rooted in like, you know, killing animals is bad or like they're in this whole side of the, um, plant-based conversation. I feel like if you come at someone, um, at that angle who is so firmly rooted in like, you know, I don't want to, um, incorporate more plants into my diet, there's going to be much more, um, many more barriers or much more resistance but um if you come at it from that really you know pragmatic state and say like yay here's the evidence like um you can do what you want, but you know, science says, or all of these studies say that, um, it's a simple fact that there are compounds in plant foods, like you said, that animal products simply don't have. Um, and it's really a win-win if you incorporate them in, like, that's not me trying to influence you because I want you to do it. Um, that's me saying like, if you want to be healthier, if you want to be in this place with your health that you say you want to be, um, this is simply, um, one of the more powerful ways to go about it. Um, but you brought up a really interesting point um, that I kind of want to get into because I know you've written blog articles on this. I've actually read one of your blog posts on this, but um, I think when we talk about plant-based eating or plant-based dieting, if you want to call it that, um, there are a couple of really big myths um, that people who kind of have those barriers and have those big walls that I just mentioned kind of like to throw in your face um, immediately when the topic gets brought up. And, you know, these are things that are like spread like wildfire when we talk about nutrition in the media. But um, one of them that I am faced with a lot being a vegetarian and also, you know, being a registered dietitian in general um, is the myth of Soy um, and what it may or may not do in the body. So, kind of give us your opinion on soy and maybe dispel um, some of the myths that are out there about soy in the media.
1: Okay, so good question. Uh, funny enough, I'll just start by saying I'm actually I'm actually writing a six part series uh, <laughs> on on soy that's going to start in October. So, a lot of these questions I I've been looking at into it in more depth. Um you know soy is is interesting it's if if I had to pick one common point of resistance that people always come up with, it definitely comes down to soy, you know yeah. whether it 's <clears throat> hormones or g m o or whatever the or you know you know breast cancer, whatever the case may be those those concerns like whenever tofu comes up or or soy comes up it 's the same expression. So it's, it's obviously a pretty widely held, um, concern, um, among people. So, okay, sorry, go back to your question. Cause I, I just, just said that for the sake of it, what was the, your specific question?
0: No, I think that's a great, um, a great way to get into it because maybe some people are like, oh my god, like, what is she talking about? Like, what resistance to soy? I love tofu, so I'm glad you brought that up. But, um, my main question was just kind of, um, a couple main points or, um, something that you have to help dispel that myth in a simple way that, um, lets people know that, hey, eating soy isn't going to end in XYZ, all of those things that you just stated.
1: Okay, well, for the, um, okay, for the sake of, of this podcast, let's pick one topic, right? Let's pick like soy and, uh, and breast cancer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's one of the links that people perceive to have been made. Right. Uh, and that's, that's, I think that whole thing, I think comes from probably some studies that may be in like at uh, at the cellular level or in some test tube or in animals or something. But when you look at the human studies, um, in north america and uh, as well as in asia generally what you find is people who eat more soy have you know a reduced risk of breast cancer or at the very least uh it doesn't have any impact on the breast cancer risk at all uh so that is kind of the most compelling thing so you're not going to find any big good study in humans that shows that soy increases your risk of breast cancer um and it doesn't matter. And there's different types of breast cancer as well. So that's more that's a more complicated thing. I won't get into that because that's not my area of expertise. But there's different types of breast cancer um, that may respond differently to soy. But there's, it's never negative, if you understand what I'm saying. It's at worst neutral and, in many cases, uh, positive. People who eat more soy tend to have a lower risk. So there is you know, a great example uh, of you know a common thing that people may have heard about soy that really just isn't uh, – isn't true.
0: Yeah. So yeah, for anyone listening, I think it's important to know that, um, yeah, a lot of nutritional studies um, are done in mice. And sometimes what they find there can't really um, be applied to what happens in humans as well. And simply why they do that is because um, you can't, like, it's not as ethically sound to to test a lot of these things in in humans where it's ending like, okay, you may end up, like, having a higher risk for this disease if we feed you this food, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, what he's kind of hinting at, the studies that are in, in humans um, when it comes to soy or something like tofu— um, there's nothing that like says yes like if you eat tofu or higher amounts of soy foods like 100% your risk of breast cancer is um increased and like he said a lot of the times the results are like neutral as in um nothing really changes um in in incidences of breast cancer or some of the compounds in soy can actually be um protective against forming breast cancer in this case but um when we talk about soy because another question that i get or some other um topics that get brought up is they say, okay, well, we know soy isn't necessarily quote unquote bad, or it doesn't um, lead to some of the things that, you know, the media makes it out to be, but, um, processed forms of soy, something like tofu being a more processed form of soy and something like edamame or tempeh being a less processed form of soy, um, in the research or kind of in your experience, um, has there been any, any difference in studies between maybe a more processed form of soy versus a less processed, Form of soy um, and how that affects the body or maybe risk for breast cancer. If we're going to keep rolling with this topic and idea,
1: yeah, so okay, so when you when I look at like the studies that I've, uh, I've looked at, they don't break it down by that by that level, you know what I mean? And I, and I don't know if there's really a reason to do that, I don't know that they would that there would be any any big differences, um, but yeah, so when usually when they look at the um, the soy intake, it's, it's across all like all sources so that could be again it could be soy milk it could be tofu you know what i mean it could be soy it could be edamame it could be you know potentially uh soy protein like, like that's isolated like as a as a protein shake so there's definitely no level of analysis that breaks down by uh, the type of soy foods that are consumed and uh i yeah i don't think there's any evidence that that warrants any concern in terms of having one type uh over the other
0: Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that. And anyone listening, I think this is really cool. Um, when you were talking about that, I actually kind of had this realization that, um, I haven't had any guest on the podcast, uh, yet that I've actually gotten into kind of more of a scientific, um, discussion when it relates to like what the research about nutrition says. But I think this, um, is really powerful and important because, um, I obviously preach the benefits, as do you, um, of adding more plant foods into our diet. So I think the takeaway, um, for anyone listening here, whether you're following plant-based diet, whether you're looking to incorporate more plant-based foods, um, don't be afraid of soy. Don't be afraid of tofu. Um, Adding in a serving or two servings a day, if that's what you like, if that's what you enjoy, if that's what's going to help you meet um, your protein needs while you're following a more plant-based, vegan, vegetarian, whatever it is type of diet, um, simply don't be afraid because um, this isn't a black and white topic like I was talking about earlier. Like, you know, soy is not bad like the media makes it out to be. Um, And really, if you have more questions about this, get into contact with um, someone like Andy or myself who can kind of like... You know, breach that gap between what um, the media says, what research says, and what is right for you. But um, kind of going into this topic, not as uh, serious as we were, <laughs> sort of, like, research based here, but still talking about plant foods. Um, right. so this is something that I had kind of ish planned to ask you because you are simply um, self deemed and proclaimed king of kale. Um, mm-hmm. Correct. I'm curious. So we're talking about plant foods here and incorporating more of them in. Obviously, we know kale um, is a plant-based food that has a lot of powerful nutrients for us. But I'm curious, um, what exactly can you attribute your fascination to kale with? Like, when did it start for you? Like, when did the love story of Andy and kale begin? Because that's really, like, shaped a lot of your career, wouldn't you say?
1: Um. Yes. And young lady, you should know that I actually wrote a blog on this topic. I'll give you a pass on that.
0: Okay, but, well, side note, last time we talked on our Instagram live, <laughs> you told me outright that you did not read my blog. So I think we're calling it even here. But anyways.
1: Okay, <laughs> you, know what, that, you know what? That's fair. That is, uh, that's quite fair. So fair. Um, give me one second. Um, if, so give me... I'm just Googling one thing. I want to see if it comes up. So for anyone um, interested, if you Google Andy the RD Love Kale, uh, the article which is the funny story of how I fell in love with kale will be the first one that comes up on uh, Google. So there's something to consider how I fell in love with kale. I think my friend who read my blogs said he was actually the one who told me to start having kale. Basically I used to be a spinach guy. Oh my God. (laughs) And um, yeah, believe it or not, I was a spinach guy and I had a um, divine intervention. Oh, I switched over to kale. The reason is, like I said, if you go back to my story, um, on how I was figuring out what it meant to be healthy. Like I went from someone with no food. I was. I'm still am someone with no food skills. So I need to eat vegetables in the easiest way possible. What that meant for me was raw spinach and like a raw bell pepper because that's something I could do every day. Um, so that's what I did every single day. And I still eat a raw bell pepper, but now I eat kale instead. And because I just, it's just easy for me. It's. It, I am a creature of uh, routine, which is why I. um resonate with clients who kind of like to do the same thing every day, even though variety is important. I I get that sometimes you like what you like and that's cool. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's, that's basically it. Um, I, my love for kale is, um, is genuine. Uh, I do eat kale every day. I do eat half, like I eat probably 175 grams of, of kale. I don't measure it. I just eat a bag that contains 350 grams. So I just divide that by two. So just for the record, um, that's it. You yeah. Know, that's so, it. My love yeah. for kale true. And uh, I even named the business after it. calligraphy. So know. You guys, know what that is.
0: Yeah. And I want to, I want to ask you about that in a second, but uh, I'll definitely have to go back and read that article. And um, if I can figure out how to exactly link it in the description of this episode, I most definitely will because I'm interested, but um, yeah. I'm going kind to
1: of, the article right now. So there's no room for error here. Wait, what did you say? I'm going to DM you this article right yeah. now so there's no room for error.
0: No room for error, removing the triggers. I love it. But um, I yeah. love that you're using kind of your intuitive self when it comes to kale, because something I talk about uh, with clients is like, you know, we don't have to measure our food all the time. We can um, eat what we love. We can eat what we enjoy in a way um, that, you know, reflects our intuitive self. So I almost see this like inner intuitive um, kale being within you that kind of like tells you how much of the bag um, to eat every single day. But All jokes aside, I really um, see a lot of myself in this story. But as we all know, like you're king of kale. Um, I love peanut butter and jelly more than anything in this entire world. But um, kind of how you were talking about how you used to be a spinach guy. Well, I used to be a bologna and cheese girl. So every single day. I kid you not, growing right. up, I actually post, I put this in my post yesterday on Instagram, but I would eat a bologna and cheese sandwich so much that um, my parents came to call it the 365 sandwich, as in I would eat it 365 days a year, which um will just forget the fact that I ate bologna every single day for many years of my life. Right, myself.
1: right, right.
0: <laughs> I had this. It was all beef baloney, I'll, I'll say, no fillers. But um, and now yeah. I had this, like, divine intervention one day. I used to hate peanut butter, but one day I had, uh, something just, like, came down from the heavens, kind of like the kale gods with you, but it was the peanut butter and jelly gods for me. And um, ever since... I have been peanut butter and jelly girl. So, you know, variety is important, like you said, but I like what I like, and that's peanut butter and jelly. So I totally understand because my love is genuine and true as well, and I hope everyone listening can can hear it in both of our voices. But Slightly less,
1: slightly less original, but that's okay. Yeah, well... I don't know, right. maybe not. Kale's pretty popular, too. You're right.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, peanut butter and so jelly is so. the, old, the old favorite. Um, Kale's definitely, like, kind of the more, like, trendy cousin, um, for sure, but i'm glad that you that makes
1: sense i'm cooler than you so that's fine
0: yeah it's whatever you only have like 10 years more experience than me so it's fine um but what i want to get into now
1: that's a veiled old joke go on on.
0: (laughs) i can use it because because i'm a
1: you're right i am old i'm a wee
0: 23 year old um but one thing i wanted to ask you that you just brought up is that you actually um, have named a couple of things after Kale. So you have Kale TV, um, which is things on Instagram TV that you do, TV. And um, I'm not going to butcher the name this time, like I did on um, Instagram Live. You have Calligraphy, um, which right. is your newest um, business development. So tell us a little bit about what Calligraphy is, other than a really well timed pun.
1: Yeah, uh, okay, it's great. So, Calligraphy, okay, so obviously, like, okay, I, I like Kale, okay, there's a little more to me than that. Um, obviously I'm, you know, I'm a really, really, really passionate about writing and uh, obviously social media as well, even though I've been slowing down a little bit because I've been very busy, uh, business wise, but social media and writing are big passions of mine and actually, you know, using social media to promote writing is a passion of mine. Uh, Long story short, though, what I realized is that there's a lot of people who kind of are intrigued in in terms of, like, breaking into the blogging game and the social media game, and and especially when it comes to writing, because I've been writing my whole life. I love analyzing people's writing and giving them pointers to write more effectively and more in a more compelling fashion. So I created this service called Calligraphy, which is obviously a play on words on KL, which represents health, and calligraphy, which represents, like, writing and art and creativity – and it's basically a consulting service. So, you know, if someone wants to break into blogging, but they're not confident in their writing and they want to have a second pair of eyes on their work. Um, if someone wants to kind of break a little bit into social media and they want some advice on what direction to take, um, that's what calligraphy is. It's just a chance to work with me, you know, one-on-one and get, you know, valuable feedback to kind of kickstart your, um, your ventures in those areas. And, the reason why I started is because I just speak for myself. I mean, blogging and social media without that, um, even though blogging and social media are not my business, they have allowed my business and my opportunities to be like just insane, a number of opportunities. Um, and just, I can't even imagine, you know, not having them. And I'm so glad I I stuck it out uh, on the slower days when I started and, yeah, so anyone who's interested, um, you know, some people say that writing is uh is dead. It definitely isn't. It's a very important skill. And uh writing well and being able to deliver messages eloquently is you know, is still very valuable. So there you go.
0: Yeah. Um, um- I love that you brought up the point about social media and how it's not your business, but it's really expanded um, your opportunities. I was actually listening to another podcast this morning when I was in the car on my way back from getting coffee that I definitely drank too much of. Um, But he had this point that like social media flattens the world, so to speak, in a way that, um, you can connect with people that you may have never had the chance to, um, connect with. And like you and me, for example, like I never would have had the chance to connect with you if it wasn't for social media and for right. you starting this business. Like, you know, people are able to, to see what you do, um, to see the power of your writing and to be like, Hey, um, I am able to connect with this guy and work with him in a way that will benefit um, me and benefit my business. And it really just like multiplies everyone's opportunity for growth which is why I love social media. Um, I call it business media in a way because you can use it um, to really grow a business and to make a bigger impact. But I also love the the thing that you just brought up where some people say writing is dead. And I totally... 100, 200% agree with you that that is false. Um, you know, of course, there are tons of other types of media now. Like, there's podcasting, there's YouTube, there's IGTV, there's, you know, Instagram. And sure, maybe not everyone is going to be that type of person to like click on a blog article and read it all the way through. Um, but, but yeah, you can't discount the people that do. And there are still tons of people that do. And, um, I personally, I can level with you and resonate with the fact that I also love to write. And um, while your um, your type of writing is definitely a little bit more analytical and scientific, um, my writing, um, you know, when I sometimes try to write really scientifically and like, you know, search through the research, sometimes it makes me feel more stressed out than empowered because I feel like I'm back in school. So um, my writing for me is, you know, a creative outlet. And, and in a way, just like you, it's how I um, express myself and it's how I put some ideas out there that... Um, Um, I hope one day someone who likes to read and who's like searching the interwebs might click on it and read it and find something useful in it. So um, I absolutely love that. You've created a platform for those who may not um, feel confident in their writing, especially um, more analytical, like scientific-ish writing. Because especially as dietitians, just coming from a a dietitian perspective here, but um, I know a lot of other people in the health and fitness industry would probably say, like, what we're taught in school um, or what our classes are. Like, I never took a writing class. Like, sure, I took English in high school, but like, you know, I never took a class that was like, you know, how to um, publish good blog articles that actually get read and Convey messages effectively, like that, was never a part of my schooling. Um, so I think it's really cool that you've developed um, this platform to kind of fill um, that void, and for people who maybe have had the same schooling experience, to um, continue to grow their message and expertise that way, for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're uh, you're right across the board, two hundred percent right to quote you.
0: Wow, that's what um, I like. But um, I guess um, if anyone is interested in getting into contact with you and I always kind of ask this question so just towards the end of the podcast anyways but first of oh. all um if they have interest in learning more about calligraphy um or working with you where do they go to find that and then obviously follow up question um if they just have you know things that they resonated the things that you said they want to find out more about you personally um, more about what you do how would they find you and how would they get into contact with you
1: Okay. Great question. Um, yeah. So Instagram is the place, the starting point, the calligraphy, um, the information of that will always be in the link in my bio. Um, obviously also people can contact me through Instagram. They can message me directly. So it's Andy, the RD, obviously. Um, so Instagram is a great place. My website's andyvrd.com for anyone who's actually interested in my blog, um, which obviously I was speaking about. So Andy, the RD, you know, website or Instagram, that's the place to uh, get in touch with me to see what I'm about. So, yeah. I
0: like it. You made it uh, very easy to find you. It's just one, one set of words across the board. Yeah, exactly. Very exactly. simple. I like it. It's effective. Um, one more question that just came to my mind that kind of goes into, um, you know, your Instagram and your writing. So, uh, you've a little bit more recently you started this series on your stories every single day. And, you know, if you don't follow Andy, I highly recommend that you go do because, especially if you need like a laugh, um, that's also going to inform you about a nutrition topic. Um, he posts these like, pickup lines or like funny things that just come out of his brain um i don't know how they do sometimes that combine the science of nutrition so like an actual nutrition topic with um something that you would actually like say to another human being if you were trying to like you know pick them up or like be funny so i'm curious to know like what is your creative process like do you sit down and like you know try to think of these things or do they just come to you is it like divine divine intervention like it was with the kale
1: um, yeah, well, I think basically what, what I will do is like, let's say I'll have a meal late at night and I'll and I won't really want to do actual real work. So I'll sit on a, a chair, put my feet up and I'll be like, okay, let me do something constructive for 20 minutes. And that's usually when I come up with these quotes. Um, I will actually actively be thinking about them. Sometimes obviously they pop into my head, but most of the time I'm sitting down, I'm like, okay, let's be creative and let's make these, these things. And that's, that's when it happens. So it's wow. like 3, 3 a.m. at night usually.
0: I, um, I admire that for a couple of reasons. First of all, because I haven't seen the clock strike 3 a.m. in like ever. Like I'm very bad about staying up late and doing anything. Um, right. But I'll second of bad all. about it too for different reasons. <laughs> so okay. Yeah. Second of all, I'm, um, impressed that you can like flip that switch in your brain that says like, okay, like I'm going to sit down for 20 minutes and be creative because most of the time, um, when I tell myself like, okay, Claire, be creative. Like my little creative goblin goes and like hides in the corner and it won't come out. Um, usually right. for me, I have to be doing something like totally random, um, for it to come to me and not, um, trying to think about it, if that makes sense. So, um, I respect that. And keep it coming because uh, they make me laugh every single day. But um, awesome. my, <laughs> yeah, my last question for you here, um, the only scripted question that I have for my podcast, and I'm interested to see how you answer it. Um, I always ask people, you know, at the end of a podcast, what are you doing, um, to live a little bit more gently with yourself? Because my message with nutrition, um, is always a type of nutrition that informs, but it never restricts. Um, and this can kind of, you know, broaden in your way, like being a business owner. Um, a lot of the times what I found, like the message that I teach through nutrition, like, you know, being gentle, giving yourself space, um, you know, living your life in a way that you enjoy these messages with nutrition also, reflect or translate to the world of entrepreneurialism, you know, um, being gentle, giving yourself space, taking a step away and kind of patting yourself on the back for all that you do right, rather than stressing out about, you know, all that's going wrong. So um, Andy, I ask you now, how are you living a little bit more gently with yourself?
1: Um, Okay, that's a good question. Well, I'll be honest, like if I'm being completely honest with you, I think I I need to work on that. I think I um I, I I constantly always I'm thinking about stuff and when you're doing you know a variety of things plus social media, um yeah it's actually really hard to separate yourself from from that because it's just like a, almost like a seven day a week uh, always something to think about. I play soccer, you know, so when I'm on the soccer field, definitely that's probably my most favorite opportunity to kind of uh, escape and to feel good. So I guess that's the way I. And I, I play soccer multiple days a week, so I guess that's my way of being kind to myself. But, um, yeah, I'm, mean, to be honest, it's something I need to work on. You know, I think I need to do better about it. And, um, yeah, that's probably my most. I don't have any great answer. Besides, I got to be better about that. So I thank you for the reminder.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're very welcome. That's what I'm here. You are truly here to remind you to be nice to yourself today. Um, No, but I think that playing soccer getting away from what you typically do, um, sitting at your desk, coming up with content, talking to clients um, is really good for, for blood flow, for brain flow, for all of that. And I think that is a perfectly awesome and appropriate response to my answer. But Andy, that is um those are all the questions that I have, but thank you so much for your time today um and for coming on the show because I know you are a very busy guy, um but I thank you so much for your time um, and yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, and if anyone wants to get in contact with you, um, I have or I will have all of Andy's stuff um, and his How I Fell in Love with Kale blog article um, linked in the description at the bottom. But as always, um, if you guys are liking what you're hearing on the Yours Julie podcast, um, I would really appreciate if you um, sent me some stars. I guess that's how you do it on podcasts. If you clicked five stars, if you left a rating, um, if you told me, um, told Andy what you thought about this or what you're taking away from it because... I really love this form of media and I'm really trying to grow it and get better at it so I can bring more of living and eating gently into everyday life. But um, that's all I have for today, friends. Yours truly, Andy and Claire.